Today's scripture reading is Matthew 2, 1-12, from the NRISV. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at his rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him, and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler, who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star, for they had seen it at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Welcome to Weston Park Baptist Church. On this Sunday after Christmas, we've uh, just finished our Advent season, or are finishing it now, when we open our hearts to receive Christ, to give space for Jesus to enter into our hearts and minds as we reflect on his coming to us, his Advent in our lives. So that's what this season is all about. We've been looking at a variety of Gospels in our uh, journey, and today we finish by looking at the Gospel of Matthew, and it is a well-known a story of three kings from the east, uh, by tradition, doesn't say three kings, but three kings from the east come, and they are looking for the newborn king of Israel. Interesting, because in the Gospel of Matthew, the theme of kingship is, is central. Uh, Christ is referred to as the king. Luke sees him as the savior, Matthew, king. So he is the king of Israel, and the Magi from the east, probably from Persia, um, are coming looking for um, the entrance of this king to our world. So it's that idea that we're following. And of course, we know the story of the star rising in the east and the Magi from Persia or Babylon coming. They've seen it and they are following. And one of the theories of uh, this star is the conjunction of uh, Jupiter and Saturn. And it actually happened in the, the, those very days. Jupiter was considered the star of the universe. And Saturn, because of it, so bright in our night sky. And Saturn was considered the star of Palestine. And the area of the sky that it was appearing in was the area of Pisces, or the area of the fish. And so the astrologists of the day, and astrology was a, was a science in the first century, 
uh, had put it together and they realized that something important was going to happen in this area of Palestine. And so these kings come looking uh, for what's going to happen. And they understand that as a king of Israel being born. What makes that exciting is, of course, this very conjunction just happened this past week. And so a number of you probably, and I know my own family, we were down in High Park and we were looking, trying to find that in, our, in our, the telescope uh, of these stars coming together because it is such a remarkable event. In fact, it happens typically every 800 years. So it's very unusual for it to come together in that way. And it was unusual in Jesus' day, in our day, and it marked a transition uh, in the first century. And so with that in mind, then, we look at the well-known story of the Magi coming from the east. And we hear the text this way, in the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. So we begin with the theme of expectation. We just heard the Magi are coming. Interesting that in Matthew's version of the events, Jesus is here presented as a child. The word child is used instead of baby. He is no longer the baby in the crib, in the manger. He is now the child in a house because the Magi come and find him and the family in a house. So in Matthew's understanding, and you can, can put the Gospels together, it seems like the Holy Family decided to stay in Bethlehem for a while. They did not return directly to Nazareth as some of the other Gospels say. They stay. Christ has grown. So maybe, maybe he's a child of six months at this point. And it is this baby with the family that the Magi eventually find. So it's just an interesting take on what's going on. So instead of returning, rushing off, they stay in, uh, in Bethlehem. So they are there, and the Magi come. And they come following the star at its rising. And, and it's interesting that most likely the Magi come from Babylon or Persia because there was a large uh, Jewish community from the diaspora after um, sending the people out. Uh, after Jeremiah's day, they are there. They are in Babylon, a large community. And so there would have been interactions. And so these Persian astrologists would have heard stories. And one of the stories is a statement from Numbers, which was an important prophecy in the Jewish scriptures. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the borderlands of Moab and the territory of all the Shethites. So I see a star, but it is not now. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. So that, that prophecy was there. And it was an understanding that a star would come, would shine, and this would be a... Uh, a prediction of the Messiah coming, that his birth was indeed at the moment. And so it's a prophecy that they understand is taking place. And so they would have had these discussions in Persia with Jewish leaders, scribes, etc., and they come now seeking the child who is born. 
In the Old Testament, we have stories in 1 Kings 10 of the Queen of Sheba coming to David's son Solomon to, to be impressed by his wisdom and to come bearing gifts. And indeed, Queen Sheba did that and was very impressed with Solomon. And so here we have new kings coming, seeking a king. No longer Solomon, the son of David, but the Messiah, the king of Israel. So the Magi come. And as a, an application point, it's interesting because they come as outsiders. They are not Jewish scribes, intellects, learned, PhDs of the day, going to the best schools in Jerusalem. No, they are outsiders. But it is the outsiders who come seeking the birth of the Christ, the Messiah. The insiders, the folk in Jerusalem, particularly the religious leaders, scribes, Pharisees, and so on, who know the scriptures, who know where he will be born, indeed in Bethlehem, just six miles south of Jerusalem, they have no interest in going, and, we're, and none of them do go. So the insiders don't go, but the outsiders do go. And in terms of our own faith journey, this is not really an unusual phenomenon that we who know Christ can grow hard, we can grow weak in our faith, we can become indifferent, distracted, we no longer are seeking the way maybe we once did, even though we're insiders. And then outsiders, perhaps brand new believers or people who are searching, come and they, they really are zealous and in earnest are seeking. So it can give us pause in terms of what kind of expectation level are we holding as we come and go through this Advent season, indeed as we go into this new year particularly, what, what is resonating in our own hearts in terms of seeking after God. We'll say more about this next week as we enter the new year. But what does the new year hold for you, for me, in our faith? Are we seeking in earnestness? Or are we living in distraction? I speak for myself. How, how are we holding these things together? So the Magi come in zeal. As outsiders, the insiders are not really that interested at all, quite indifferent to the whole thing. And so there is a sense of expectation that rises up in the story. And the second theme is that, indeed, not everybody welcomes this new king. Indeed, there is resistance. So the second theme I'll suggest is resistance. Here we hear the text. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened because the Magi go and they seeking the king, they go to the main court in Jerusalem. King Herod hears. He was frightened and all Jerusalem with him and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, all the learned, all the PhDs, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they go to the scriptures and they read and they look and they hear this statement from Micah. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, six miles away, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, the house of bread, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel, the Messiah, the Christos. The shepherd of Israel, the one who shepherds his people, he will be born. This is what the prophecy of Micah was saying. The Pharisees and scribes check this out. They say to Herod, well, this is what's going on. 
And so, but their response is one of a fear, of, of wondering what this means for us. Because if a new king comes, then it upsets the status quo. Things go out of balance. Religious leaders are living reasonably well in the day. Herod is doing great. And so they're afraid of what might happen with the new king. What will happen with Rome? What will be their response? How will they see us now? And so there is this response of fear. And again, in our own hearts, we know that we don't always welcome Christ. We read and say the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, but often it's my kingdom come, my will be done. We, we want what's good for us, and we're losing sight of really what our calling as followers of Christ means, that it's first place for Jesus, not first place for us. And so there's resistance, even as there is faith. So I, I like the statement by now, and I've used it before, we are so resistant to listen to that voice because partially we want it and in part we don't. Partially we want somebody to love us, but we also don't want people or God to say things we don't want to hear. So there is as much desire for God as resistance against God. I think that's a good point that Nowen makes. Not for everyone. Not for, for some, it's, it's all seeking, all openness. But for, for most of us, there's a mixture here. I want to please God. I want to live for him. I want to walk with him. I want the next year, 2021, to be a year where I really honor him. But there's also a part where I want to hang on to the gods, as Genesis says, under the seat of Rachel when they're fleeing the land of Laban. And so we want to hold on to our own gods, our own distractions whatever makes us feel settled, our own convictions, what calms our heart. We, we want to stay there, and we can say no to the voice of God. And so Herod definitely is resisting. The scribes and the religious are resisting as well. And so for you and for I, it can be the same thing. So there's a sense of expectation, but, but not for everybody. There's also this resistance. Text goes on. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And so the third piece in this story is that of fulfillment and leading, indeed, to adoration. So there's a recognition that the promises of God have come. There's the statement from Numbers. We've already read it, but there are others. God makes promises, and in his time, he fulfills them. So, for example, a famous one of Advent is Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. This is said 700 years before Christ. So after seven centuries, finally, there is this young woman who gives birth to the Christ child. Isaiah saw it, he spoke it. Another great statement from Isaiah, chapter 9, but there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. 
But in the latter time he will make glorious, note, the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. So the same thing that we have Isaiah in the same day, seven centuries earlier, prophesying about what will happen. After the exile in Galilee of the nations, things will change and the Messiah will come. That's the promise. So promise does lead to fulfillment in terms of the scriptures. And so your invitation and mine again is, do we trust? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and he will direct your paths. Do we live in trust or do we mistrust? Do we believe that the promises will be filled or not? What's, what's our response? Do we say yes or do we say no? So the, the invitation here is to keep saying yes, to say yes to God and what he's doing. Promise, promise and fulfillment, which ultimately leads to praise and adoration. Here we come to the core of the story on entering the house, no, house, not the crib. They saw the child with Mary. Also interesting in, in Matthew, it's always the child with Mary. In our greater context here, it's child and Mary, child and Mary. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left by their own country by another road. So the Magi come bearing gifts. In obeisance, they give the, the child worship, praise to child and Mary, his mother, verses 11, 13, 14, as I've seen. Bearing gifts, bearing gifts of gold. Gold was the gift for the king. I remember being in Peru and going to Machu Picchu, and there's the, the uh, capital in Cusco of the, of the Inca community in the day. And in that palace, it's all covered with gold. And it's interesting, for the Incans, the gold had no material value. They would exchange gold for, for beads of some sort. What it was was simply a decoration that, that looked pretty. It had no value of money. But they liked the look of gold. Because of gold, they put it all over their palace. So they have gold because it's a, a royal color in various cultures. And then the gift of frankincense is the gift that's associated with priests and with the temple, this beautiful ointment. So there's a sense of Christ as the Messiah, as priest. And then finally, there's myrrh. And myrrh was another ointment which was associated with uh, embalming and funerals and the tomb. And so in this gold, frankincense, myrrh, we see Christ as king, we see him as priest, we see him as savior, all of this symbolically held in these gifts of the Magi. Three gifts, hence we have the statement, three kings. They come bearing gifts. Of course, the question is, will we bring our gifts and what are our gifts? And ultimately, your greatest gift is yourself. Will you give Christ, will I give Christ myself? So the Magi give their gifts, and the story concludes that they have a dream and they're warned about not going back to Herod, so they leave and go back to their homeland another way. 
takes Herod a while to figure out what actually happened. So that's the story. That's the story of the Magi seeing this great star, maybe the conjunction of the planets. They follow, they come, and they worship the Christ child. And so in conclusion, what does it say to us? What, what, what's it about? Well, clearly, it's a hopeful story. I like the statement of Rahner, who says, the holy night is brighter than our gloomy day. The holy night is brighter than our gloomy day. So we are no longer to live as victims, but as children of God. It's a hopeful story. We're not to get lost in our own human overcast, which we all experience at some point, frequently. Our own sadness, our own discouragement, not to get lost in that, but to keep trusting, depending, looking to God and what he has for us. So to live in expectation, see the promise, see the fulfillment, and worship. That's the invitation as we conclude 2020, even in a day of pandemic. Moving into a new year, still the pandemic. Are we lost in our own discouragement, and our own upsetness? Or will we see Christ and what he's doing for us? To break out of our own routine, our own monotony, and to recognize the adventurous life that we have spiritually. Incredible life, this life, and then moving into the next life, the great adventure of knowing God, of coming to know Christ. It's a positive, happy story. Advent is always that. That's why the children get so happy. They also get gifts. They also get food. But there's a happiness to this story, number one. It's a hopeful story. But secondly, there is also resistance. We've seen it. There's a, this dark thread in Advent. We heard about it last week with Simeon. And so this dark thread can lead us into despair. It can lead us into discouragement, into distraction. But it was interesting. Jesus said this statement in Luke. He calls the people after he talks about the last days. He said, lift up our eyes. Lift up your eyes for our redemption draweth nigh. That's the words of Christ. Keep lifting up your eyes. Don't focus just on what's going wrong. See what's there for you, for me. To recognize his hand, his goodness, even amidst the challenges we experience. And then finally, thirdly, we see that Advent is indeed about God coming to us. If God comes to us, then we are invited to go to him. That's Advent. God comes, and we are invited to go. And the challenge is, is the star that the Magi look for is not always visible. So we go out and we try to see the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. Well, on a clear sky, you can see it. But if the cloud bank is there, we're not going to see it. It's still there. It's happening, man. You got up in a plane and went above the clouds, there it'd be. So the star is not always visible. And, and that's the great challenge of our faith because faith calls us to go forward saying our yes to Christ even though we don't see the star. And that takes faith. We follow that which we don't see. It's always been the same for everybody. No more for you than for me or for any other person called to say yes, even though the star is not visible. 
And so God comes to us, comes to you, comes to us in our pain and our sadness, our discouragement. Christmas traditions are all changed up. Can't do something that maybe you've done for 20 years in a row. But we call to keep our eye on Jesus. Lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh, Jesus says. He said that then. He calls us now to say yes, to keep saying yes. So the Magi are a model for us. They model faith. They model coming to God with an earnest heart, a seeking heart. They are there as a model. So I pray that we will see their example, that we will say, hey, there's something in that for you, for me, and I want that as I finish this year and go into a new year. And I pray that as this year comes to an end, that in spite of our challenges, we might look up and see what God is doing for us in Christ. This is all not an accident. God has a purpose. God has a plan. And yes, the pandemic is even part of the plan. We don't get it. We don't understand it all. But God works in the midst of it. So may you and I say yes to God's glory, for Christ is our Messiah, our King. And I offer you these words in Jesus' name. Amen.